Cameron Murray, what about that idea that building more, creating more permission would increase supply and bring down prices? Do you think that's a myth? Yeah, so I'm a fan of building more houses, but the issue is the planning system, it regulates the density of dwellings in certain areas. So how many dwellings per land area, but it doesn't regulate how quickly those options or those rights to build are taken up by the market. So if twice as many applications come through, the planning system will approve twice as many uh, new dwellings and the rate of new dwelling supply will be double. We've seen it lately in detached housing where we're more than double the rate of building detached dwellings the last 18 months. So I think what's missing from this type of analysis is that the trade-off for a potential developer is not is developing profitable. The trade-off in terms of the supply of new housing, like how many get developed each year, is is developing today more profitable than developing tomorrow? Because if I develop today, I can't do it tomorrow. You've examined what happens in practice. Yeah, so one of the issues that comes up in housing is that what developers and lobbyists say to the media is quite different to what they say to their investors when they're obliged to be honest in their annual reports, for example. So what I did is I said, well, if, if it's true that zoning is restricting how quickly large developers want to build housing, then that's what they should be reporting to their investors in their annual reports. And so I read the annual reports of Australia's top 12 listed property developers for the past decade, and I calculated all the uh, stock of developable lots that they had on their books, their land banks, they call them, how many they sold, and I tracked that through time. I read all their commentary around planning and their targets for new supply. And the interesting thing that I found at the end was that in their annual reports, they don't mention zoning or planning being a constraint on how quickly they sell at all. It's just not in there. You can't find it. What you do find, though, is a lot of commentary around managing their land banks as an asset and timing the market and being patient for future opportunities. So these developers, instead of the undeveloped land being an inventory that they're trying to clear out and sell as quickly as possible, they manage it like a capital asset. And that's why they own, for example, 17 years worth of land bank lots. What I mean by that is if they kept selling each year the same number of new dwellings, it would take 17 years to get through the stock of land they currently own. So you could rezone, but they, they, they won't develop the properties if it'll Quicker. force the price down. Correct. So they're very sensitive to the depth, like how many buyers there are in the local market, because to sell faster, you have to reduce the price because there's a finite number of buyers in any given period who are willing to pay the current price. And they say that there are surveys of housing developers and they respond, look, there's a limit to what the market will bear at this price and we're, we're not in the business of flooding the market and reducing the price. In fact, there's a great example of even once housing is built where developers 
don't want to flood the market. So the former Commonwealth Games village at the Gold Coast is now a build-to-rent housing estate with 1,200 dwellings. It's owned by a large investment fund. They're the landlord and they offer long-term leases to renters. Now, you would think at the Gold Coast with a very, very tight rental market that it would be easy to rent out that many dwellings. But it actually took them four years to rent out 1,200 dwellings. And the managers there told me, well, we're doing this in stages because we don't want to flood the rental market. There's only, it's only so many you can rent out in a given period of time without decreasing the price too much. So this effect, this is known as the absorption rate, how quickly the market will take up the opportunity to build new housing. And I call it the built-in speed limit on new housing development. And that exists regardless of how many potential sites there are to develop for housing. Does this invalidate, Peter Tulip, the idea, the implication from what you've done that if you change zoning, allow apartments, allow multi-unit blocks where there were previously freestanding houses, that you will increase supply and put downward pressure on prices? No, it doesn't invalidate that, Peter. I think Cameron's got a few quirky anecdotes from southeast Queensland, but they're just not representative of the housing market, and in particular, the markets for inner suburbs in Sydney and Melbourne, where we've got the real crisis going on. And I think most listeners can just verify that for themselves by looking at their local paper. And every few weeks, in almost every suburb in Sydney and Melbourne, you'll get a story about how local developers want to build build a block of flats or a tower of apartments, and the planning system says that they're not allowed to. In my local area, Karingai Council, in the northern suburbs of Sydney, the local councillor said, no, there's not allowed to be any extra building. It's obviously implausible to think that a restriction like that has no effect on the supply of housing. Do you think it's implausible? You've written a paper, Cameron, called The Housing Supply Myth. So the issue here is that developers are professional liars and um, <laughs> what they say they're going to do is not what they do. Let, let me put it this way. There are millions of potential places to build new dwellings in Sydney with the current planning system. The question is, why would a developer not buy one of those sites, right, that have the zoning to build what they want to build? And why would they instead buy a different site that is not zoned for it and propose something that uh, is not allowed on that site? Now, I like to say, well, these developers are really bad at their job. It's like if I was a painter and I kept buying the wrong colour paint and telling the government, hey, I've bought the wrong colour paint, can you bail me out? right? They're buying the wrong sites. If you want to build a high-rise tower, don't go and buy a suburban site that's zoned for detached housing or townhouses and make an application and have an argument. Is there agreement between both of you that uh, if we could get it, as unpleasant as it might be for people living in inner suburbs, uh, near the cities, near railway stations and so on, what we need is to turn them into apartments or something like them? that this will solve the problem. Is there agreement on that? We need to do more than that. We need oh. a very substantial increase in the housing stock to bring prices down to something close to the cost of supply. 
I agree that densification around transport is good planning, but I don't see this having any measurable effect on prices at all.